Over 60,000 songs are added to Spotify every day, and I'm here to make sure you don't miss any of the good ones. From independent artists just starting out to seasoned vets in the industry, this interview-style podcast highlights artists whose music you don't want to miss. Make sure to follow along to the Music You're Missing Spotify playlist to hear tracks from artists featured on the show. You're listening to Music You're Missing. My name is Brendan Gennetti, and today we are joined with St. Lucia. After their breakout tracks, Dancing on Glass and Elevate catapulted their career in music, Jean and Patty of St. Lucia have had a very consistent and lengthy career that I have been following since the very beginning. We are about to speak with them at such an interesting time because they are gearing up for the release of their first full-length album in four years. The record is called Utopia, and they're also kicking off the Utopia tour on October 6th in Virginia. And I'm just really excited to talk to them about essentially re-entering the craziest part of the music industry, which is touring and, you know, rolling out your record. Before I get Jean of St. Lucia on the line, you've listened to podcasts before, you know the drill. Welcome to Music You're Missing. All artists featured on the show get placed on the Music You're Missing Spotify playlist. So if you don't follow it already, go over there, follow it right now. You can see St. Lucia's beautiful face on the cover. While you're following things, it's super corny to ask, but listen, it is working. If you rate us five stars, then we have a higher likelihood of getting playlisted and front paged on some of the biggest streaming platforms. And the reason I said that it's working is because technically we're on a season break right now, but opportunity to talk to St. Lucia came up. So obviously I'm going to talk to them. Um, But we have gotten such a high demand on Amazon Music that we are about to get playlisted on the top music podcast like collection that they have i just got word of it they're gonna send me the link when it's live and you know we are gonna be posting about that because that is literally the coolest thing that's ever happened um so please if you don't mind keep rating us five stars it's good for me it's good for the artists makes everyone happy uh but now enough of that enough of the boring podcast stuff let's get john of saint lucia on the line how's it going dude I'm good, Brendan. Thanks. Thanks for asking. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I mean, I am a little bit surprised to hear you're good because I know you've got some stuff coming out. You're you're days away from releasing your fourth studio album, Utopia, kicking off the Utopia tour soon. How are you? How are you actually doing? (laughs) Man, I mean, it's multifaceted. I'm truly I'm truly doing good, you know, but like, um, you know, Patty and I have two kids like we have a almost five-year-old and almost two-year-old and they're both coming on tour with us and we're currently in nashville uh doing musical rehearsals for the for the tour and you know the last time we we did a big tour we had just one we had indian he was like nine months old and it's very different having a nine-month-old to having two kids that could fully run around and need a lot of attention um so that's 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 the toughest thing to navigate right now but we're doing it we're fortunate to have a really really great tour nanny her name is Paige, and she's super awesome super helpful um yeah but we're good you know i mean it's like it's how it's the fourth album we've released so i've done this before i understand how it goes um you know and we're very we feel really great about the record like the i think i mean i feel like i would almost say this about every record we release but this feels in a way like our best record you know maybe it's just because it feels very relevant to us right now um, all the songs feel really good to play live. Um, the, the band is feeling better than ever. We have like a really cool, exciting show that we're putting together. Just was exciting to get on the road again because I feel like it's at the shows that St. Lucia music really comes to life, you know, and I can't wait for people to hear like the new songs in that 
context. Yeah, of course. So you mentioned the rehearsals today. What, what is, walk me through a rehearsal. What does that consist of? Are you, are you breaking out choreo or are you just making sure the band kind of knows how to play the new stuff? It's like, I mean, not really choreography. I mean, it's very, you know, we're, we're very much like, we're like a band, you know what I mean? Like we're like five piece, sometimes we're four piece, like when Patty can't make it because we have, we have kids and we live in Germany, but um, you know, we're five piece. And so we're just like, you know, we're all playing the parts and, you know, I'm very blessed to be surrounded by some really great musicians. So we're just really doing it like old school style, you know, like proper analog synths, pro- you know, amps, just like we were, you know, trying to basically bring the studio to the stage, you know, as much as possible. Um, but then, you know, just figuring out like cool new different parts and interludes and things that might surprise people and slightly different versions of songs. Um, so we're not just playing the songs verbatim, you know, but uh, in terms of like how the rehearsals go, like it's normally the, you know, it takes like a full day for us normally to set up just to set up because uh, we have so much stuff, you know, we have like, I'm trying to think how many like since we have like one, two, so three. you're setting up the entire like your entire set is set up for rehearsal. You're doing it a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. We we have to, you know, we do using in-ears, we're doing the whole thing because otherwise you just can't tell what it really sounds like, you know? And like when you're on stage, you're using in-ear monitors and like, that's the whole, that's just what the whole world is based on. And we've just learned, I mean, we could definitely do it cheaper, but I, it, it pays to do it this way because everyone's just like, working well it's already working hard and to be able to actually hear what you're doing what everyone else is doing like pays dividends in the end um yeah and we're just you know we're feeling things we're like you know sometimes like a version of a song's been working for a while but you feel like everyone's heard it now so you got to change it up a little bit and um so it's just like trying to be aware trying to be attuned to each other musically to what each other's feeling like speaking your mind like trusting the people around you to speak their minds and um it's a family, you know, it's like any, any good relationship, any family, I think communication is important. So a big part of it is communication. Are there any stops that you have lined up that you're like super excited for? Are we playing any new rooms? Yeah. Um, we've been to on a, on a free day, but never played Santa Fe and we're playing Meow Wolf in Santa Fe, which I'm really excited about because I've heard a lot about it. I love Santa Fe as a, as a city. I just, I mean, it's just a beautiful, like all the Adobe buildings, um great food as well um yeah very excited about that um always excited to play new york you know new york always feels like a hometown show to us we've never played brooklyn steel even though we've played almost most of the venues in new york now we've never played like madison square garden or anything but like very excited to play brooklyn steel because it's a great room sounds great um yeah it just feels really good and exciting to be back on the road honestly I bet, especially after, you know, the whole COVID situation. Is this your first full-length tour since COVID? Yeah, I mean, this is our first proper tour since 2018, actually. Um, we did, like, we did an acoustic tour in, I think it was May 2019. But this is our first tour with, like, a full setup, um, you know, and everything's, like, way more expensive now. Like, everything, the prices are inflated, like, gas, like, everything. So it feels like everyone else but us is, like, Paring down their setups, like not using guitar amps anymore, like using, you know, amps and stuff, whatever. We just like, I don't know, man, I just believe in quality. I think that like, if you, you know, if you've got to do less, but do better, like, I think it's a better art to go than just like cluttering stuff with just, yeah, I just, I think as a musician, it just feels good to know you can trust the sound coming out of your instruments, you know? And so that's where, that's sort of where we're investing our money right now.
hey, on a personal level, I am going through the process of booking a show. Like, I'm- Oh, dude. Awesome. That is like a really large conversation that we're having a lot is, you know, quality over quantity is like do you want to get more artists wow. and track artists or do we want full bands and you know i'm I, I i'm a music lover of course i want to i want to have everyone have that full yeah. music experience so that is super helpful to hear yeah i mean you know there was this there's this story of like the original woodstock and how they um how basically you know it, go, it goes totally counter what like the woodstock in 99 was like the, the original woodstock basically at one point they had a choice to either um, go and like really have like a good gate door situation and not let everyone in or like really prop up the sound system and make the sound system great. And they chose to do the sound system and just let everyone in. So they ended up making way less money, but it just became legendary because it was just so, you know, the experience of the show was so amazing and the whole thing, you know, so like, I think there's many stories like that where it's, you know, it might, you know, if you just think of the the financial monetary aspect, like can be scary, but I think investing in that stuff pays in the long run. Super interesting. I saw that you posted some little snippets of what your set design is going to look like. What can you tell me? I'm super stoked. I'm seeing you in the Boston show, your second show on tour. What can I expect? Um, so, you know, we, we always have, we, we put a lot of focus on the production always. Um, and this time is no different. I mean, it's, you know, we, I feel like we've, we've worked with this really cool, I don't feel like I know, <laughs> of course, that we, um, we've worked with this really great um, illustrator slash graphical designer. His name's Ryan Miller. His Instagram handle is at its Rydog, Rydog. Um, and he's really been amazing at helping us craft the visual world for this record. And the visual world for us is always m- mega important. Like all of our, all of our album covers have always like been, like really, you know, almost almost as hard to make as the album itself and also like expensive and stuff. And he's just been amazing at helping put our ideas into like the visual world. And for me, what's so important about that is at least from my experience, when I look at a record cover, that inf- massively informs how I imagine the album in my mind, you know, because like to me, when I hear music, I see visuals at the same time. And the, the look of the album cover needs for me needs to be indicative of what is inside it, you know? So to get onto the production, like the production is definitely going to be based around the, the album cover and the artwork in general, but just kind of expanding on that and trying to bring people into this new world of utopia. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with with your music, especially as a fan, it really is more than music. You, you obviously capture a lot of like deep themes, especially on utopia. So like- I appreciate what, that, man. What comes first for you? Like, do you have your- kind of idea and vision or do you craft what you think is the sound of a new record first? Uh, man, um, it's, it's kind of like every time I do it, I have to relearn the whole thing. Interesting. So it's like, I start from this place of you just kind of like writing songs. And in the beginning, the weird thing is like, I'll be really excited about some ideas, some new ideas that I have. Um, but it, often those early ideas won't stand the test of time and I'll be really excited about them. But when I play them to other people, they're kind of like, yeah, it's okay. And then like, it's kind of like going through this like pro- process of it's almost like lifting weights. It's like you do it and you kind of like break the strands of your muscles and then you just, you hurt, you know? So you're constantly learning and getting stronger and better and better because you make a record, you go on tour and you kind of get out of that mindset of being in the studio and making a record. And then you have to come back and sort of 
you know, and I, I come from a very like untheoretical standpoint, even though like I've studied music theory and stuff, but at some point I just felt like thinking of the theory was holding me back and keeping me stuck. So I just come from a very intuitive standpoint. And so to me, it's just kind of like feeling my way to the new sound and the new way that things have to be. Um, and that just takes a lot of experimentation and going back and forth and going down a lot of different like musical avenues, you know, like for this record, there's been at least like three or four totally different, almost albums that we could have made. Like there, there was one that we finished actually before we made Utopia that's going to come out um, next year, hopefully. But then there was like a kind of Americana record and there was like, a, there's like, there's like a more electronic kind of, th- so it's always these different avenues, but then the album itself almost always ends up being a combination of all those different directions, but like the best parts of them and the ones that aren't fully that direction that have bits of the other kind of worlds in it. Um, so that's, I mean, it's, it's, I could keep talking about it, but it's like, it's, it's a long, it's a long process for a reason. It just, you know, to me, I just really believe in following my intuition, not trying to just rehash a formula, you know, and just trying to grow as an artist and as a band and, um, just not feed people the same thing over and over. Yeah, you know, and I think there's an element of that that's not bad. You know, I think it's like sometimes like, you know, I'll be going in all these crazy different directions and then one day I'll just come in and I'll be like, you know what, I'm just going to write like a fun pop song that I would imagine is kind of the, the quote unquote sound of St. Lucia. And that'll be really fun and refreshing because it's like, you know what the toolbox is, you know, I'm not trying to like reinvent the toolbox, but just kind of using and that can be really just fun and refreshing and exciting to do as well, you know, so yeah, I'm not trying to shit on <laughs> like using a formula. That can be great. It can be really fun to do. Well, I love this new kind of lean into Yacht Rock. I recently have get, gotten into Yacht Rock. There's this uh, band that they just tour around the country. They have the coolest job. I got to get them on the show at one point. They're literally a cover band, but they tour at like huge venues they played uh the pavilion out here in boston which is like four thousand capacity and they sold it out and it's a it's what? the most exciting time but anyways i've been really getting into yacht rock so to see uh the lead single kind of land in that genre and even get some editorial placement on yacht rock playlist was was super cool yeah i mean i think you know like um i don't like it's it's hard to talk about yacht rock because it has such like a on one hand it has like a negative connotation you know like you just think of like white dudes on a yacht you know (laughs) basically um but like I don't know. There's something about it. There's something about that era that, you know, when you listen, when you listen to like the Yacht Rock and it has like Steely Dan and it has like Doobie Brothers and it has Michael McDonald, it has Christopher Cross, whatever on it. There is something so disarmingly naive on the one hand, but also so musically um, sophisticated. So it's like you have this naivety, this total like unselfconsciousness, like naivete with like this sophisticated musicality. Um, that just, I think just lends the music this, I don't know, it just, it has this like vibrancy to it, you know, and, um, maybe it's the fact that the, 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 like, it it just like has this feeling of comfort as well. So I don't know. It just, it feels good to make that sometimes. You know, I don't think I could have put that so eloquently like you did, but I actually fully (laughs) understand what you're saying. Like if it was super cheesy, I probably wouldn't love it as much, but it's like the perfect amount of cheesy. There, there is some type of like 
artistic beauty behind it as well. But there's also it's also about perspective because I can totally understand why people might think that's cheesy, you know. And there's definitely like if you listen to a lot of those bands that are making quote unquote yacht rock, you know, there's definitely probably many tracks on that album that lean far too in the cheese direction, or in Steely Dan's case, far too like. I'm a musician direction, you know, but then the things that really hit that like nailed the mark are so good that they just have just enough accessibility and like sophisticated musicality to kind of just be right. So I want to, I want to pivot back to uh tour for a minute, just because with artists like Sophie Tucker and joy wave, it's clear that like the supporting St. Lucia to extreme success pipeline, like it's alive and well. <laughs> so I'm curious. How did you come across Blanks and Caroline Kingsbury? How did you know that they were right to bring out on tour with you? Honestly, just social media. Um, you know, um, Caroline just actually reached out to me and we were chatting for a long time. She sent me her record. I really liked it. And then, you know, when we were looking for support artists, um, she'd said to me a few times, oh, I'd love to like support you. And then I basically just threw her name in the hat and everyone agree- agreed that she should do a regular tour. Um, same thing with Blanks. Um, you know, there was also an, an agent connection. I'm not sure if he's also represented by William Morris, but um, I've, I've become aware of him through social media. And like, you know, obviously there's some similarities in our sound in a way, you know, like he's doing he's doing vaguely sort of like aha-ish um, electropop. Um, and not to undersell, I mean, he has really great songs. Like I really, I love his songs and he's got like a great personality and stuff. Um, yeah, but that's, that's pretty much how it is. I mean, so I, I have to tell you, man, for all the things I hate about social media, and there's a lot of it, the best thing about it is the ability to just connect a with your fans, like for people to reach out directly to you and send you messages or ask you things. And, um, I try my best to respond to all messages as much as possible. Cause I just think, you know, it's just great because that's the one bit you feel like is not being frenangled by some algorithm, like all this stuff where like you post something and then like not all your followers see it like this drives me crazy like i wish they would just go back to a you know um like a chronological feed i think this would solve many of the world's problems actually um but but that personal messaging thing i think is amazing like i think it's one of the best things ever you can just send anyone a message and maybe they'll respond maybe they won't but for example like i think um caroline was telling me a story she wrote to the war on drugs as well the same thing and she ended up supporting the war on drugs just because she reached out to them that is so cool. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up with social media, so it, it does take me like to kind of disconnect myself to realize how much of a privilege it is to be able to talk to people instantaneously and like build an essentially build an entire brand from you know like my computer and not having met ninety percent of the people that I work with. Yeah, um, it is a really interesting thing that like kind of unites the world. But at the same time, you mentioned algorithms. You know, if we're talking about your last album, 2018, and now we see we see a few things. One, I want to talk about how you released two NFTs. First off, what what do you think the value in NFTs are in the music industry, and and what made you for sure want to want to release them? Well, uh, a really good friend of mine is Andre from RAC, and you know he was one of the earliest people in the NFT world, and he's been doing it. And I just thought I just loved that he was like developing a different aspect to his career because he's always i mean i think we're very visually focused as well like we love visuals we love like we just spoke about that but he is too and i just loved how he was able to expand that universe through using nfts you know um 
I think it's just also it's cool to have like a different a different income stream on some level, you know, but like honestly didn't do it for the money. I just did it because like it just feels like a cool different way to collaborate with other people from different art forms, you know, so you're not just collaborating with other musicians, you're collaborating. Um, and I, I honestly can't think of another way to to do that, to sell digital art, you know, like obviously I love fine art, like paintings and stuff, but you know, digital art is just a new form, and this is the best thing I've seen so far. In you know, for trading digital art, like I can't think of a, a better way. You know, so I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding like energy usage of um, blockchain technology and all that kind of stuff, and I acknowledge that. You know, but um, it seems like there are things in the work that should remedy that to a certain degree. Um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's just interesting to me because I think all throughout history, any new technology has always been controversial. You know, people have said it's destroying like social media, like electricity, like whatever people have said, it's the devil, it's the whatever, you know? Um, but in some, you know, it's always going to be a bit of both those things. It's always going to be amazing and change the world for the better, but it's also going to like be negative in some way, you know? So you kind of just have to kind of go with it and eventually it will figure it, figure itself out and just be conscious to a degree and not just, you, yeah, I don't know. That's that's what I think. No, I certainly agree. I think it, it does get a bad rep mostly because people aren't fully aware of what they are. Um, I think when you actually yeah. understand, you, you see where they can provide value. And I think exactly like, I don't think every artist needs to drop an NFT, but I feel like from what I know about St. Lucia, it, it makes sense with your brand and especially where you are so visually leaning. I wish I had, wish I had purchased it. <laughs> there will be more. We have, we, we have more in the works. Um, some like, I think some really, really cool ones. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, it's, it's cool to just try new things and like, you know, I think especially when something is controversial in that way, it's important to at least try to understand it a bit more and like don't knock it before you try it or before you understand the inner workings of what it is, you know? Definitely. So do we have that same energy for TikTok? Mm, I don't know, man. Like I, I struggle. I just struggle with TikTok. I struggle. I feel like TikTok is the one thing too much that I then just don't have time for anything else in my day. Like... So we do like a couple TikTok posts here and there, but I just like, to me, it's like, I, I have to ask myself, mm-hmm. why am I doing this? Am I doing this to just be a rat on a hamster wheel or am I doing this to make me, cause like, to me, I, I keep thinking of this analogy that like now there's like this, you know, cause like, I feel like labels are always like, if you complaining about that things aren't going as well as you want them to, whatever, it's always like, well, you got to post more on TikTok. You got to do this. And a, I think it's lazy from a label standpoint to, to say that, you know, and just for the record, like we have a great relationship with our label. They do say this stuff sometimes we call them out, but also like they're, they're great on other levels. Um, but I, I just think that like, it just starts to feel like, well, okay, now you just have to go like live at the casino because you never know when you're going to have a jackpot, when you're going to hit the jackpot, you know? So everyone just has to live at the slot machine and keep pulling the slot machine. And the only people it's making rich are the people who own TikTok, you know, who are advertising. And like everyone else is just basically posting, 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 not, not getting a lot of views. And then you get a lot of views on one. And then you're like, oh, well, I got to keep posting, you know, it's just, to me, it just feels like this hamster wheel. So to me, I just kind of like try to use social media. I don't let it rule my life. I try to use it just to reach fans and post things that I want to post about. But like, I try not to get too caught up in it because it just, yeah, I, I, I just think it's not going to end well. 
Yeah, I certainly agree. I think if anything, I have more of a personal struggle with it than I, I think, um, like my struggle isn't with its effect on the music industry. It's more like how often I feel like I need to like upkeep it or, you know, post something that I, I typically, I would never post what I post there on like Instagram, like, or like you said, on a feed in which I know my followers are going to see because I can be a little bit more authentic. I feel like TikTok kind of rewards you appealing to the masses. And I just was never about that. Yeah. And it's like, what if I make a video that like goes viral because I did what TikTok likes to see, what the algorithm likes to see. And then that becomes popular. Then I'm under pressure to keep doing that. And then I become not me as an artist anymore. I just become another TikToker making videos that are the same as everyone else. Just so, excuse my French, a fucking algorithm approves of my thing and shoots it out to people. I'm just like, fuck that shit. I'm sorry. No, I, I, you know how many times I've had to make a video about Harry Styles because I knew it would catch on? I haven't even listened to his record. Yeah, it's it's bullshit. It's absolute like – and again, I acknowledge there are good things about these apps. Like I do think that there is good stuff about social media. But you got to realize this is literally – the reason it's free is because it's using you and your attention is the product. That's it. The longer you stay on the app – they're in, they're incentivized to make you stay on the app longer because the longer you stay on the app, the more money they make. That's so, very yeah. Black Mirror esque for sure. <laughs> um, bring it back to Utopia. <laughs> uh, I never like to pick favorites. Truly, I don't. Yes. But Take Me Away is it's certainly been on repeat since it's dropped. I appreciate it, man. I heard a funny story or a quote from you that it kind of was like your inside out moment where it, there was it was just kind of stuck in your head. Can you elaborate on that? Because I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know if you remember, like in Inside Out, there's this bit where there are these guys that work in the deep memory banks. They keep setting this one ball of like triple mint gum, whatever, up to the bay and then projects and like Riley just like starts singing it at random parts of the day. So basically what happens to me since, you know, like when I'm most of the time when I'm writing a song, it's just literally an idea like what will just appear in my head. And sometimes it's a really fully formed song. Sometimes it's just a melody, some, you know, whatever. Um, so t- uh, Take Me Away was a song I wrote just coming off of our tour for Hyperion. Um, it was an idea and I um, demoed it, had the demo. And then just after the first day that I worked on it, it just kind of went into the back burner and it was there and I had other things to do and I was working on other songs. But then when I was finishing up the end of the second half of Utopia, somehow that song just kept coming back into my head. Like it just like would randomly be there. And I noticed each time it came back, I had more ideas for it and stuff. And that just kind of told me that I need to try and finish the song. And that's, yeah, that's how it came back. Wow. Is that something that typically happens or is this kind of a unique thing for you? That happens all the time. This is just how it is for me. Like, um, I feel like for years I've been doing this and I've learned to just open the channels and just let things come in. And there are times when I'm too busy and nothing comes, you know, but often it happens when I'm not working on music actively. Like if I'm going for a run or hiking or swimming or just with the kids on the playground and my attention, like I don't, I'm not thinking in my head, my head, my mind's open. I'm almost in like a slight meditative state. And my, my attention is somewhere else. Like somehow like songs will just sneak in and I'll just like catch myself like singing something um, in the back of my mind. Wow. I, yeah, I feel like I have the, that mint gum in my mind at all times, but everything's my mint gum. And I think it might just be ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. 
you may, maybe you just need to harness that, you know? Yeah, honestly, I well, especially with this broken foot, the amount of work I have gotten done in this month is insane. I have literally taught myself. I'm like built a website, HTML, SEO. I'm like, wow. I oh my god, that I could do all of this. It's uh, when you put your mind to good use. It's amazing how distracting walking can be. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, well, I can tell just from speaking with you now how much passion is going through this album, this tour. I'm super stoked to see you October 7th, Paradise Rock Club, Boston, with my boot on. Um, before you go, mm-hmm. of course, Music You're Missing is all about music discovery. So I'm curious, what, what have you been listening to lately and who should I check out? Um, recently, I mean, um, I always sing the praises of this band Parcels from Australia. Um, I really, really like Parcels. They're great amazing live band just great players great songs like in the classic mold yeah it's kind of they're sort of like chic meets um i mean i think it's, it's kind of like what they're doing is like what Daft punk did on random access memories but like better Whoa. Okay. you know and it sounds very similar in, in a lot of ways um i really like the um soccer the new soccer mommy record that was really it's just like a really like, I love records that are really good, have great songwriting, but then have the extra additional element of just, like, a m- amazing sonic, like, production. And uh, that record was produced, I think, by Oniotrix Point Never. Um, you know, he and he's been producing a lot of The weekends new stuff. Um, but it's very much like, it feels like, kind of like a modern Cocteau Twins record, a little bit, you know? Um, with kind of 90s songwriting and it's just dreamy and magical and be just beautifully produced. The sounds are amazing. The mix is great. Um, there's this girl from the UK called Nilu Faryanya. Um, N-I-L-U with like an umlaut with the two dots for Yanya. She also has a great like guitar, like pop, guitar, like pop slash alternative, almost like grunge record um, with tinges of like Radiohead. Uh, super, super cool record. Um, and then I'm trying to think of who else. Those are probably the main three new artists I've been listening to a lot. I mean, I'm sure there's like a lot more, but I, I forget in this moment. Absolutely noted. You described them so graciously. I can't, I can't wait to check them out. Yeah. Really great. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. I wish you the best of luck on your tour and I know it's, it's going to be amazing and I'll see you in Boston. Appreciate it, Brendan.